What is going on, everybody? We're back. Episode 11. Our City Podcast. We're gonna, we got a lot to talk about today. Before we kick off today's episode, just want to let you guys know, next week we will not be having an episode. Lots of uh, moving around and stuff, stuff of that nature going on, so we will not be back next week, but we will be back the following week. So let's dive right into it. Today we got, of course, our general Mets updates, and then we got a hefty amount to talk about in the MLB wrap-up session, including Yankees fans. First of all, we're going to start with the Mets. They are in action today at 2.30 against the Royals. They've split the first two games of the series. My opinion, the series they should have swept, but that's not important right now. Currently, sit 63-60 and 60 on the year, still two games back of that wild card spot, and still sit nine games back in the NL East. So, last night was a win. What I want to, I guess, well, before, first of all, before we get there to game one of the series, Mets placed Robert Gasselman on 10-day IL with right tricep tendonitis, Walker Lockett, is coming up from Triple A. I saw Lockett pitch uh, in person with Syracuse, and he's honestly—I mean, he's been up before and hasn't been great, but he hasn't been awful. But he's got some good stuff. He's got some heat. He's got honestly a lot to bring to the table. It's just a matter of him figuring it out at the big league level. Uh, Gasalman hasn't pitched since Sunday. But he's been playing light catch, and the, just with him not pitching since Sunday, it was almost inevitable that he was going to be placed on the IL with something. So that's it's a big blow to the Mets bullpen, considering that's their Achilles heel. But Gesellman said it's you know just a little flare up. They're still going to place him on there just to play play it safe so and when you're in the position the Mets are in terms of like you're right in the thick of a playoff race coming down the stretch you're actually playing meaningful games you need every man fully healthy ready to go and Gesellman is one of those guys that you need along with another guy that we're going to talk about right after this so it's he tried to stay off the IL couldn't do it but any, nonetheless, I, it's in the, his best interest, and this is a good time for it to happen. I mean, it's not like it's we're getting towards the end of this, uh, September and this is happening. You know, this is kind of the really the best time to happen. I mean, obviously you don't want guys hurt, but if a guy were to get hurt, now's the time you want them hurt because when you're two games out in September, that's and it's crunch time. That's not what you want. So, Gesellman on the 10-day IL, Walker Lockett coming up. And that's going to bring us to our next reliever we're going to talk about, Edwin Diaz. So, as you guys probably saw, Edwin Diaz coughed it up. It was not good in the first game of the series against the Royals. But really, what struck me was not the people blaming Diaz but was the people blaming Mickey Calloway for using him. So before we get into there, 
Uh, Diaz, 1-6 on the year with a 5-4-4 ERA. He's got 25 strikeouts to 51 appearances. 71 strikeouts over that span and a whip of 1.49 and a war of negative 0.3. Negative 0.3 war for last year was the best reliever in all of baseball. He saved 57 games last year and had an ERA under 2. If that if that's got, I mean, it's really mind-boggling how Edwin Diaz could, that could happen to him in just a span of one season. I mean, this is a guy, he was an all-star last year, finished 8th in the Cy Young voting as a reliever. And somehow comes into this year and takes a complete 180 and has just been awful this year. So who's to blame? Really, you have to put the blame on Diaz. I mean, you put, you a lot of Mets fans are complaining every time Mickey puts in Diaz. But at the same time, <clears throat> I mean, I'm as big of a Mets fan as the next guy, but from a realistic standpoint, assuming the Mets do make the playoffs, I do not see them going very far in the playoffs unless Edwin Diaz is performing like 2018 Edwin Diaz. And we've seen glimpses of it this year. You know, he's gone through... He's, we've seen stretches where he's shown that he still has it. But right now, he... Oh, does not. It is hard to watch him right now. Every time he comes in, it's never a secure lead with him. And really, I tweeted this the other day. Mickey Kelly's got to use him. Like, if the Mets aren't going to send him down to try and figure things out that and he's going to stay with the big league team Mickey's got to use him that's really all there is to it I mean you can't if how when he's when he's built the reputation he's had as being one of the best relievers in all of baseball he's got to be able to figure things out in any situation I mean you put Mickey Calloway put him in a bases loaded no out jam well you're regarded as one of the best relievers in baseball. You need to be able to get out of that jam. Nine times out of ten, you're, that's your job. If you're not going out there trying to get out of that, I mean, he even said it after. He was glad he was put in that situation because he needs to get going. He knows he needs to get going, and he needs to not suck, <laughs> essentially. He knows it, but... For fans to blame Mickey for using him, I don't think is really fair. I mean, he can't use Lugo every single time, as much as I would love to. But no matter what situation Diaz is being put in, you can't. He's not succeeding. So either the Mets need to send him down, or Mickey needs to keep running him out there until he figures it out. He can't just have him wasting a roster spot, not using him in the bullpen. And frankly, like I just said. Mets, let's say the Mets make the World Series this year. No matter who they're playing in the from the AL, they don't win that series without Edwin Diaz. I firmly believe that. They do not win that series at all without Diaz. And the Mets, re- realistically, their chances of making the playoffs without Diaz, it's still possible, it's, but it's 
harder. It it puts them in. It makes it harder for them to make the playoffs without Diaz performing to the way he's capable of performing. So that's in a nutshell. Edwin Diaz is not having it. I mean, it's you can blame Mickey Callaway all you want, but at the end of the day, he's using what he's got. And if Edwin Diaz is going to pitch to an ERA barely under six and cough up runs left and right, there's, I mean, the Mets either got to send him down to figure things out or because they're not going to trade. Well, one, the trade deadline's over, but two, if you were to try and trade him, you're not going to get much for him considering what he's been this year. So you either got to send him down, and you're not going to DFA him either because of what you gave up to give him. At the beginning, they gave up Jared Kalenic and Justin Dunn for him. So with how much you gave up for him and what he is when he's good, he's got to keep getting put in situations to figure things out. I mean, the only way Diaz is going to figure it out is by pitching. So that's going to end that section. We're going to move on to a quickly Pete Alonzo. He hit his 39th home run the other day against Kansas City. That ties the Nash. Actually, no, excuse me. That was against Atlanta. It ties the National League rookie record for home runs in a season with Cody Ballinger, who hit 39 back in his debut season, which I believe was 2016, if I'm not mistaken. So 40 certainly within reach. Yelich. Uh, and Bellinger tied at the home run lead with 41 apiece. Mike Trout has 40. And Pete Alonso sitting with 39 on the year. The Mets all-time single-season record for home runs is 42. Set by Todd Hundley. So that's certainly inevitable. I would th- I would think Pete Alonso can hit with over... Om- a little less than two months left in the season. I'm almost certain Pete Alonso can break that home run record. And also, he's got 93 RBIs on the year. So, a 40 homer, 100 RBI year out of Pete Alonso is phenomenal if you're the Mets. I mean, you hit that you are dumb if you even consider moving him anywhere. He's your next David Wright. I real he's time and time again teams get that one guy that they build around or their one guy that's the face of their team that's Pete Alonso to the Mets. I mean you don't just come up in your first year, hit forty bombs with over a hundred RBIs, win the home run derby, you're an all star, rookie of the year we're gonna talk about the NL rookie of the year race at the end of the episode. I mean, that just doesn't happen. And something doesn't come from that player. Like, like the team doesn't have something with him. And the Mets are going to be just as successful as Pete Alonso, in my eyes. You know, if Pete Alonso is raking, the Mets are going to be on fire. Because of the energy he brings and what his talent level is. I, I know it sounds like I'm gushing over him right now, but... The Mets would not be, honestly, in the position they're in without him. Uh, Like I said previously, we got a longer MLB wrap-up session today. Not much has really changed with the Mets. They're currently still staying in that two-game stretch 
two games back of the wild card. So we're going to jump right into our uh, MLB wrap-up session. We're going to start with, I cannot pronounce his first name correctly, Cincinnati Reds' Aristides Aquino. Who? That's exactly what I said. Unbelievable what he is doing. He's actually last night accomplished something nobody ever has before in the history of baseball. Take a listen to it. All right, here's Aquino. He's lined to short and popped up to third. High drive. Straight away center field. Aristides! And this is just... It's beyond unbelievable because it's never happened in the history of Major League Baseball. Ever. Every player in the history of the game, no one has done what this guy is doing. Man, is it beautiful to watch. Unless you're on the mound. <laughs> 11 of them now in his first 17 games. That's another record. Aquino of the Reds, 11 homers in his first 17 games. Nobody's ever done that before. He's hitting 345 with 11 homers, 22 RBIs, slugging 964 with an OPS of over 1,300 since he's been brought up. He played one game last year, had one at bat and struck out. This year he's been up and is absolutely raking. It seems every night you look on social media or you look at the red score and Aquino has hit a homer. Unbelievable. Nobody really could have predicted that that was coming from it. That's really <laughs> all I could say about it. I mean, that's it's one of those things with the Reds. They're in that awkward position where they're in it, but they're not in it. You know, they're six and a half games back which is certainly realistic for them to make up. But considering who's ahead of them, they're just not going to. So, like Arizona and San Francisco are in that same position too. Like they're realistically still in the playoff race, but just who's ahead of them, they're not going anywhere. So Aristides Aquino of the Cincinnati Reds, what a show he's putting on. And it's certainly going to be one of those things to watch throughout the rest of the season, which will bring us into one little side note. We're going to talk about the NL Rookie of the Year race, the NL wildcard race, and Yankees fans. But first, we're going to talk, just do briefly what's going on right now. The Little League World Series is underway, for those of you who do not know. Sadly, I have not been able to watch much of it just because of work and getting ready for to head back to school soon. But... Last night, I saw a video on Twitter of this one kid's batting stance, and he's literally almost sitting on the ground. He's squatting so deep, he's literally on the ground, ready to hit. It was the funkiest batting stance I've ever seen, but with the Little League World Series, every year there's something that, like last year was Big Al, like I'm Big Al and I hit dingers. This year, you got the kid squatting all the way down. In his batting stand. You also got fans hating on some of these kids. I saw, I can't remember who was playing. Um, it was in a, two American teams. And this kid hit a home run, and he's running the bases, and the opposing team, as he's running the bases, are like giving him high fives. The pitcher stepped off the mound, and when he was coming around third, he gave him a high five. Like, 
I like that. And people are criticizing these guys like, why you? He just hit a homer off you. Why are you giving him a high five? It's I mean, it's Little League World Series. They're twelve year olds. I mean, they're being good sports. <laughs> really, that's all there is to it. Let them have their fun. They're twelve years old, and you're freaking gonna hate on them because they're giving other kids a high five. I mean, whatever. But like I said, Little League World Series going on. To make sure you tune in. Little League World Series is a whole lot of fun. It's a whole lot. After watching MLB and then you watch the Little League World Series, it's a whole different dynamic. The Little League World Series Classic is actually coming up. I'm not sure. I should know this. But I'm going to actually look it up right now. Who's playing in that game? I Last year was the Phillies and the Mats. I don't know why I couldn't. I can't remember who's playing in it. So if I just take a peek here. My internet's going to run super slow. All right, here we go. So this year's the Cubs and Pirates. Which, oh, it's today, actually. <laughs> Coincidental? I, very bad of me not paying attention to that. But this year, tonight in Williamsport, will be the Cubs and the Pirates. I will be tuning in because that looks like it's going to be a great game. And all the little leaguers and their families will be in attendance. It's super cool. Last year, the Mets and Phillies did it, and three of the Mets pitchers, I believe it was DeGrom, Syndergaard, and Mats. If I'm not, Wheeler may have been there, or Wheeler was starting. Yes, I think we, no, Wheeler wasn't there, because Vargas started. So DeGrom, Syndergaard, and Mats went and sat in stands with the little kids, which I thought was awesome. So it's just one of those like cool things that MLB does. <sighs> Getting some dust off there. Like, uh, you may have seen earlier, they're playing on the field. Of White Sox and Yankees are playing on the Field of Dreams field in Iowa next year. You know, just promotions like that are awesome when MLB does them. But we're going to now look at the NL Rookie of the Year race. We're going to transition into that. Really, there are three guys... In, the, in terms of the NL race, the AL is really much more fascinating, or in my eyes, much more clear-cut. But in the NL, I also think it's clear-cut, but some fans tend to disagree. We got Mike Soroka, Pete Alonzo, and Fernando Tatis Jr. Soroka really hasn't been, because he's a pitcher, it's harder for pitchers to win Rookie of the Year just because they pitch every fifth day. But Alonzo and Tatis Jr. are the big names in there. First of all, Tatis Jr. with back issues, most likely done for the season because of his back issues. He missed, uh, I think it was all of May, or a good chunk of May he missed because of an injury. And now he's probably done for the year, according to Andy Green, because of his back but the big race is between Tatis and Alonso. And no question has Tatis performed to a rookie of the year level. A war of 4.2, 22 homers, he's hitting 317, OPS of 969, and slugging 590. No doubt he is a rookie of the year candidate. But Pete Alonso definitely, and I'm not trying to show bias, but a war of 4.1. 39 homers on the year, hitting 266 with 93 RBIs, slugging 594 and an OPS of 964. 
And you look at that and you think, well, for with the exception of home runs and average, I mean, they're like numbers are very close, and they are very close. But Pete Alonso is 443 at bats on the year. Fernando Tatis is 334. So Alonso has over 100 more at bats than Tatis, and Tatis also has been hurt this year, and that that's hurt him, honestly. It would be a great rookie of the year race to see the two of them. And Tatis, obviously, being a shortstop, he's a much better defender. But it's also, I mean, he's also going to get more chances than Alonzo to show off his defense just because he plays it short. But, and Fernando Tatis is also only 20 years old, which is unbelievable. Pete Alonzo is still young himself. He's 24, but unbelievable what Tatis is doing. And contrary to what Padres fans like to think on social media. Mets fans are not thrilled that Tatis Jr. is hurt. Nobody is thrilled that he is hurt. Okay, let's get that straight. Nobody is happy that someone is injured. They're like, oh, you're happy he's injured now because now Peter Alonso will definitely win Rookie of the Year. No, that's not it. That's not it at all. It sucks that he's out. That's bad for baseball that he's out. What he is defensively, offensively, it sucks he's done for the year. But you know what? If I weren't a Mets fan, I would still give Rookie of the Year to Pete Alonso because you look at who has contributed more overall, the Mets would, I can say with 100% certainty that the Mets would not be where they are in terms of a playoff race without Pete Alonso. I mean, the Padres really weren't going to do much anyway just because they I mean, no, they don't have enough to make the playoffs. They looked like they did at the beginning of the year, but they really they, they didn't have enough firepower to stay up. The Mets had enough firepower to stay up, but they definitely would not be where they are without Pete Alonso. And with Dom Smith now hurt, who would be at first base right now with Pete Alonso? I mean, you have to jumble around a bunch of guys, move them to different spots. If Pete Alonso wasn't here, and if with Don Smith being hurt. So definitely in the Rookie of the Year race, I have to go with Alonso. Even if I wasn't a Mets fan, I sincerely would still pick Alonso because of I look at who contributed more to their team in terms of... I mean, obviously Tatis has changed the Padres, but if you look at where the Mets are and where the Padres are, the Padres have the fourth worst record in the National League. I mean, granted, they're seven and a half out of a wild card, but still. And you look at the Mets being two games out of a wild card. Just not record, just actually realize what Alonzo brings to the Mets, I just think is significantly, significantly much more than what Tatis brings to San Diego. I really do. And. I, I do believe that Tatis is worthy of a Rookie of the Year. I real, I do believe that, but I just think at the end of the day, his injuries cost him any chance of getting it. I mean, you can't be hurt. Now he's out for, because he's done for the year, he's going mi- to miss over two months of the season, also compared to what his first uh, injury, how long that took to get back, so... I just, yeah, I mean, it sucks, but, I mean, the injuries at the end of the day cost them. That's really it. So, and 
then that also brings us into our next topic, which is the NL wild card race, which is certainly heating up with a lot of excitement. Last night, Milwaukee and Washington went into that crazy game. Uh, right now, the current standings are the Cardinals, Dodgers, and the Braves are your division leaders. The Cubs and Nationals have the two wild out. The Mets two games out, and San Francisco winners of three in a row are two and a half out. So with the wild card, I do think Atlanta and LA hold on to the division. That NL Central, I have no idea what the heck's gonna happen with that. But I think I predicted that the wild card was gonna be the Brewers and Mets, and I think the Cubs are gonna win the division in the central because I don't think the Cardinals have enough to stay up there, you know, compared to the Cubs, but also with the Cardinals heating up and the Cubs falling apart, not really falling apart, but slipping a little bit. I mean, it's really a toss up in that division. The Nationals are the one team I think, am almost convinced will collapse. It's just a matter of time. Why I say that? Not because I'm a Mets fan, but because that bullpen is awful. Your best guy in that bullpen is Sean Doolittle, and last night he blew a three-run lead. Against the Mets, he blew a three-run lead last week. So that Nationals bullpen, I'm, I just don't buy it. I if Even all the moves they did, they added Daniel Hudson, um, they added Hunter Strickland. I just don't think that Nationals bullpen is it's gonna blow up in their face again, and they're gonna that offense can only do so much, you know, and their starting pitching can only do so much. So it's really the I guess I mean we'll really see how it plays out in two weeks when we have our next episode. Well, it'll probably look a lot different. It really will. Two weeks, it'll change a lot. But I don't buy Washington just because of that bullpen. And I don't buy St. Louis just because I just don't feel like they have enough. I mean, they might. I mean, maybe I'm missing something, but I just... I don't know. Which is going to bring... Uh, now we're going to transition into our last topic of today. New York Yankees fans oh my goodness do I dislike immensely the New York Yankees fan base last night I had a not a, even a back and forth with the Yankee fan he said uh, Jeff McNeil would not start on the Yankees so I said ha okay that's all I said to which he responded sorry Met fan your team sucks and then I responded with, well, it's not about the team sucking, and then yada, 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 and he never responded. Now, that caused me to do, now, that wasn't even the issue. That caused me to do a little bit more digging, and I found a video of, or a clip from Barstool, or their Yankees podcast. And they were complaining about the Mets chanting Yankees suck after they beat the Nationals last week. And they were saying, like, how pathetic it was. And they were calling Mets fans little uh, rats and 
sewer rats. Because they were chanting, Yankees suck after the Mets lost. Yeah, well, get over it. I mean, Yankees fans, they've done a lot of complaining this year about their team. Like, oh my gosh, we have so many injuries. I don't know how we're still in this. Oh my gosh, our team blow. Well, you have the best record in all of baseball. Calm down. You literally have the best record in all of baseball with half your team hurt. So quit being like, oh, this this sucks. Oh my god. You, I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like Brett Gardner slamming his bat above the freaking dugout. Really? Like that's, I see that as really selfish. Yeah, you're struggling this year, but look at how well your team's doing. And you're freaking going to act like you're 10 years old and smash your bat against the roof of the dugout? And you can, and three guy, and CC and Gardner got ejected, I was it yesterday or two days ago? I mean, come on. You guys are throwing hissy fits like kids when you look at what your team's doing on the year. I mean, it just looks really bad on you. And for Yankees fans, thinking Mets fans are pathetic and little sewer rats, apparently, and we're always going to be little brother because we chant Yankees suck. I remember distinctively in the Seven Line documentary uh, during the Subway series when the Mets fans were walking through Yankee Stadium, they're chanting, let's go Mets, and then there's Yankees fans looking at the Seven Line and chanting, F you Mets. I mean, you're you're going to act, you can't sit there and act like Yankees fans don't do the same thing to Mets fans. You can't. And if you deny it, you're lying. I mean, you're going to you're going to be like, "Oh, Mets fans are pathetic. They all they do is trash talk the Yankees. All they do is worried about what the Yankees are doing." I mean, the Barstool guy said he would if I interpreted what he was saying correctly, he said he would rather kill himself than chant Mets suck after a Yankees win when the Yankees weren't playing the Mets. Like, I mean, come on. You're going to sit there and act like you're going to call out Mets being the worst fans in all of sports. If anything, the Mets fans are the best of all sports. Look, When you look at the team they've had, the issues that have happened with their team over the years, ugh. You're going to... It just... It, <laughs> I got so irked last night. I was like, you're literally going to sit there and act like you don't do the exact same thing. Like, what are you doing right now? You're calling out Mets fans because they're chanting your team sucks. And you're getting all defensive about, oh, well, you're saying my team sucks? Your team has the best record in all of baseball. So what are you complaining about? What are you getting upset for? You're getting butt hurt because someone tells you your team sucks when your team has the best record. I mean, come on. It's just, Mets fans are really living in Yankees fans' heads rent-free. You know, you can counter all you want, but, I mean, I think Yankees fans are scared of the Mets and what what they could potentially become. And they're scared that they're not going to be as prominent and the Mets are going to be more prominent. That's really what I think it is. I could go on for hours about that, but I don't want to bore you guys. So we're going to wrap up episode 11 of the Our City Podcast. We're, again, we're not going to be here next week. We will be back the following week with episode 12. 
Make sure you're following us on social media. Make sure you're subscribing and telling your friends about us. Make sure you're liking, commenting, all that good stuff. I want to thank you for tuning in to episode 11. Hopefully the Mets can salvage a series win against the Royals today before they head out to take on the Indi- they head home to take on the Indians, Braves and Cubs. So with that being said, hope let's see in two weeks where the Mets stand. If they're still within two games, it's going to be an unbelievable month of September baseball. Uh, hopefully the Mets can pull out a wild card spot. You know, crazy things have happened. Let's see what they got in store. Thank you for tuning in to episode 11 of the R-City Podcast. Let's go Mets.